You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And this is Real Presence Live, uh, coming to you live from the studios here in Fargo. Thank you for joining us. We're continuing our conversation about the Eucharist um, and about charity. And uh, we're going to turn this hour to a conversation with Sister Alicia Torres. Good morning, Sister. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being with us. And I know uh, you're part of the uh, Eucharistic Revival. I think you're part of the Executive Committee for the National Eucharistic Revival. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So about the Eucharistic Revival in general? Oh, yeah, just about just kind of about your involvement. How did you get involved with the Eucharistic Revival? Absolutely. So as your listeners may know, the National Eucharistic Revival has been something that's been in the works as far as prayer and discernment from our bishops for a number of years. So even before the pandemic, this is something that the U.S. bishops wanted to initiate because there's such a great um, crisis in Eucharistic faith. And not necessarily because Catholics don't want to believe the Eucharist is Jesus, but many people don't actually even know that that's what the Church teaches and believes, that the Eucharist is the real presence of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so just before the pandemic broke out, as Bishop Robert Barron was leaving um, his position of the ch- as chairman of the Committee for Evangelization and Catechesis, and Bishop Andrew Cousins was taking on that role, they were already praying and planning for this revival, but COVID just kind of delayed being able to roll it out. And so the last spring and early winter, so January to about May of 2021, um, Bishop Cousins hosted a number of opportunities for Catholic leaders around the country to come together and share feedback around the vision of the bishops for the Eucharistic Revival. And then somehow I was on a list of, of people to contact and invite for feedback. And so it was really wonderful to see so many um, dedicated Catholics from around the country who work at dioceses, the movements, apostolates, um, Catholic media and publishing, kind of coming together and sharing their hopes and and solid feedback with our bishops around the revival. And so from there, um, I was one of the people that was invited to serve on the executive team. And it's been a wonderful journey, really humbling and exciting. And here we are just a few days after the official launch of the Eucharistic Revival on Corpus Christi. I mean, here we are on the Sacred Heart of Jesus, remembering his profound love for us, how he always remains with us in the Eucharist. And of course, celebrating in a unique way um, in our country as we just heard that um, the row and the the uh, KC cases have been overturned um, in D.C., and so it's a wonderful day for our church. Hi, sister. This is Tom O'Keefe, and yes, let's give let's give praise to God and, and gratitude for the, for that decision. Um, uh, isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit ha- manages to get us on these lists from time to time? Right, absolutely. Yeah, I see that. I, I did a little bit of my homework uh, as I'm preparing for this interview, and I see you're a member of the Franciscans of, of the Eucharist. Uh, how does that play in, into all this? Right. So our community, the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago, we're out on the west side of Chicago, and um, our charism is very much aligned with the charism of the National Eucharistic Revival. Um, you know, Mother Teresa, uh, the saint, great saint of the 20th, 20th century, often would say to her sisters, you know, if you don't love Jesus in the Eucharist, you won't love him in the poor. Um, our superior and founder... Um, now Bishop Robert Lombardo, so he was um, a member of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. He came out here in 05 
under the invitation of the late Colonel George to start an outreach to serve the poor in Chicago. Um, and from there, the Holy Spirit inspired him to start a, a new Franciscan community. And our work is to serve the poor um, and to preach the gospel, as it is always for Franciscans, and to have a Eucharistic emphasis in everything that we do. And so Bishop Lombardo has said to us over these last number of years, you know, if you can't see Jesus in the Eucharist, you can't see him in the poor. And so we know from the earliest times that there's a profound connection between our relationship with the Lord, of course, in the most special way in the Eucharist in this life, and what flows from that. So as Catholics, everything we do should originate from the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, flow from it, and draw us back to it. This is the examine our life and our day. <laughs> is what we're doing, does it line up with the faith that we profess, with the sacrifice that we celebrate? at Mass, if we can, even every day. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's very providential that the charism of our community um, is very congruent with the charism of the Eucharistic Revival. I, I have to confess, I, I was uh, watching a, a few YouTube uh, videos on you, and uh, I myself work at a homeless shelter. Uh, mm. So I was uh, so excited to see the work that you're doing. Like I was looking at you, that's my kitchen there. Uh, mm. and feeding the poor and and just as just as the Eucharist feeds us and 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 the Holy Spirit provides us with these gifts and we can bear these fruits uh, can you can you share a little bit about how your experiences in serving the poor uh, has allowed you to do that sure yeah I just think of um, on Tuesday I was helping with our food pantry and I was just greeting the guests and welcoming them in so we have a client choice food pantry just like a grocery store so it's a more dignified way for people to receive food. And as, as many people in our country know, it's a very difficult financial time. Many people who even have full-time jobs um, are struggling to make ends meet with their bills and buying food for their children. You know, so those who come to us aren't necessarily people that aren't working at all. They could be working part-time or even full-time and not be making ends meet. Um, so it was wonderful to just be among the people. But later in the afternoon, we had had someone drop off some shelf-stable food, um, including a bunch of, you know, cake mixes and cookie mixes. And it was just, we left it on the steps of our outreach center for people to take if they wished. Um, and so I came across the way to make dinner for the sisters and our volunteers. And there was a man that was stooped over that box of food, kind of going through it. And I kind of like, I was like, oh, that's great. Somebody's getting some of that food. And as I got closer um, and saw him more closely, I recognized that, he was severely disabled. He uh, Neither one of his arms had hands, um, so he just had these two stumps um, of arms, and he was using those to sort through these boxes. And yet he saw me, and I saw him, and I smiled, and he just had this profound joy. Um, and I greeted him, and his name is Ernest. Um, you know, and, he, and I said something, I can't remember what I said to him. I said, it's so good to see you today. And his eyes were just like, sparkling and he said well bless your heart but I mean I left that encounter and I just I was literally crying the next day as I was reflecting on it because like Jesus was so alive in him because this person who like is severely physically disabled riding a bicycle from work super happy to get leftover pastry mixes on the steps of a food pantry to help feed his family and it's like most of us would walk by that box and be like I don't want that food you know, but here he is profoundly grateful. I mean, that's because the Lord is in him, you know, but if we don't spend time with the Lord, we miss those encounters. 
we easily judge people like, oh, well, they just are lazy. They don't want to work. Well, how do we know? You know, how do we know? And so the Eucharist softens our hearts to have compassion and empathy and to see even our own selves in the brokenness of others because we are all broken and that's why we need Jesus. And that's, that's one thing that I have learned in my, in my journey there too in working with, with the poor is uh, just to greet them where they are, just to love them as they are, not to come with any preconceived notions or expectations, uh, just to em- embrace them in their woundedness and just be, I'm so glad you're here today and, mm-hmm. and I love you today. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a, can, be a, can be a challenge uh, at times, uh, but, but that, that's part of what we're, we're called to do in serving the poor as we're fed by the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. If you just joined us, we're visiting with Sister Alicia Torres and uh, talking about her work with the poor, also her connection with the Eucharistic revival. We've got a couple minutes before we're going to take a break. Uh, Sister, I'd like to uh, take this, this experience you said you talked about this encounter, which is an encounter with a human being, but also encountering Christ in that person. Can you take us back uh, a few years to where you, you might recall an early, one of your earliest encounters with Christ? And tell us how this encounter now looks similar to that encounter. You know, it seems like the Lord is very consistent in how he walks with us. So take us back to an early encounter and tell us a bit about that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, I can remember, you know, I I don't believe that I started to recognize the Lord wanted a personal relationship with me until I was in college. Um, But from the earliest memories of my Catholic faith, um, I mean, I was homeschooled through the seventh grade. Um, people would probably say that I was a very pious child. My mother would bring us to visit the chapel by us almost every day. Um, and I just remember seeing the red candle by the tabernacle. And my mom had told me that the Eucharist is Jesus. And I didn't, I don't remember a heart connection, but I just remember kneeling at the altar rail in front of this tabernacle and just looking at that red candle and, and believing that's Jesus. And I super strongly believe, um, or rather remember, when I was ready for First Communion, my mom made me wait for a year so that my sister and I could make our First Communion at the same time. And I was so disappointed I had to wait a whole year to receive Jesus because I was like, well, that's Jesus and I want him to be in me, you know. And so my mother gave me um, the story of Blessed Imelda Lambertini and how she had to wait. And because of her waiting, the age for receiving First Communion was lowered in our church. Um, and I know this sounds crazy, but, you know, the story of Blessed Milda, when she received the Eucharist, her she died. Her heart exploded because she was so full of joy. But for me, that was like, wow, amazing. And I think when I see people and God moves my heart to see Him in them, like, my heart kind of explodes. It's like, whoa, there's so much love going on here um, that we so often miss because we're looking at ourselves instead of seeing Jesus. And so it's like kind of that movement of the heart. Um, that's so powerful. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Sister, for sharing that, folks. So this is Real Presence. I were visiting again with Sister Alicia Torres and talking about that internal change of the heart where, Tom, you just mentioned that from uh, the book that we're reading here, A Year with the Eucharist, where the the, the Lord comes internally with us in, to, in the Eucharist to change us first internally so that we can go out from there and see His people the world in a different in a different light and that's as we are as christians we are sent into the world because we are to evangelize and bring the gospel message into every human situation folks this is real presence live we're going to step away we're going to continue this conversation with sister alicia torres on the other side of the break we will be right back 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. And uh, this is Real Presence Live, as you just heard, and we are honored to be here with you today. Thank you. On this Feast of the Sacred Heart, and so much to be thankful to the Sacred Heart for, for Jesus in the divine mercy. We trust in you, and we hope in you. Um, and as one of our bishops in this area said, we risk in you. We put everything in the arms of the Lord and give everything to him because all we need is his love. We are continuing our conversation with Sister Alicia Torres and talking about the Eucharist revival. So tell us, Sister, a little bit about the Eucharistic revival. Absolutely. So the mission of the National Eucharistic Revival is to renew the church by encountering a living relationship with our Lord Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. Um, so we know for many people, they already have a relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist, they believe. For others, perhaps they believe, but perhaps they become a little bit lukewarm or mediocre, so that needs to be renewed. And for many, we don't believe in the Eucharist, or that's a nice thing that I do on Sunday, but it's just a symbol. And so to help people come to a true, a sense of faith and encounter with Jesus, like this is really the Lord, His true presence. Um, under the mysterious um, guise of bread and wine. And so our vision is that we would inspire a movement of Catholics across the whole country who are healed, converted, formed, and unified 
inspire an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist, and then sent out on mission to participate in the mission of Jesus, which is the salvation of souls, or in John chapter 6, we say, for the life of the world, right? Um, so that is, that's kind of like the big picture that we're going for. And of course, you know, it's broken down to many more um, tangible pieces. And I love what you're saying there, Tom. You just wrote this down, sent on a mission. Of course, we know we call it the Mass, which is Misa, you know, the, the mm-hmm. sending, the sending of that. Uh, Tom, you had a thought. Um, well, I was just, I, w- I was talking, thinking in, in Mass the other day, I, and I can't remember what the sermon was on, but as we're thinking about the Eucharist and, and we're called to communion, we're t- called to community, and, and there can really be no unity unity without the eucharist mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's what brings us together that's that's what he left mm-hmm. us when he said he would not leave us alone and mm-hmm. uh it, as we we embrace the, the eucharist our community strength and we start to serve each other and we find that joy that we're looking for because we can't find it in serving mm-hmm. ourselves right mm-hmm. yeah you know I, I think it's a i feel convicted by that thought too is i mean I've, i'm 46 years old and gone to mass my entire life um, raised to go to Mass, raised to, to receive the Eucharist, to go to confession. Um, and, and, and this idea that if I go to Mass and I receive Christ and I don't come out of that Mass changed and ready to do something different um, mm-hmm. next time, you know, to, 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 to approach a relationship differently, to approach a difficulty differently, to approach an opportunity differently, if that doesn't change in me, then I've missed the point. Um, how, how does that uh, how does that how does that go along with our, our mission here with the the Eucharistic Revival Sister? Right. So, as you're speaking there, what just really came to my heart was this idea or the reality of receptivity. Am I open or am I closed? You know, and and many of us actually aren't even aware of where we are as far as the openness of our heart to an encounter with the Lord. And so, you know, just like any really important thing. I mean, the ground zero is the heart, and that's why the bishops are talking about an encounter with our Lord Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. Bishop Cousins frequently talks about this when he does interviews about the Eucharistic revival, and this is, we're talking about a movement of the heart, a transformation of the heart, a conversion, a healing of the heart. We all need healing. We all need conversion. You know, so it's that initial move of the Lord. The Lord is the one that comes toward us, right? The Lord is the one that invites us. Um, goodness gracious, it's like sometimes overwhelming to think of His profound love for us. You know, today, a special day, the solemnity of the Sacred Heart, like the burning love of God who came and died for us when we were still sinners. Um, and so the revival, in a sense, is very well positioned to help inspire Catholics around the country to take a risk on a relationship with Jesus. You know, I mean, what do you have to lose? <laughs> like, either the Eucharist is Jesus or it is not. <laughs> but to take a risk, there's literally nothing to lose. And the church proposes, and I believe the Eucharist is Jesus. That's really Jesus. Um, and so there's so much opportunity as well for the Eucharistic revival to become incarnated in many and varied ways to meet people where they are at. It's going to look different in a rural diocese than it will in an urban diocese. It's going to look different among older people who perhaps have had a lifelong devotion to the Eucharist versus younger families who maybe really want their kid baptized but aren't really sure that they want to go to Mass every Sunday. We have to meet people where they're at 
and not in a way where we're pushing them off or creating a barrier ourselves. You know, <laughs> it's like we have got to get over ourselves and start to see the person. And if we really love Jesus, then we really want everyone to get to heaven. Then that's going to open our hearts. You know, so if the Lord has touched our heart, um, let's not be selfish. You know, let's be generous and humble and recognize the way the Lord had met me, the way that He pursued me, the way that He drew me in. It might not be the same for everybody else. And so how can I allow Him to do His work and just be that instrument to propose and help to set the stage for that encounter to happen? I have a quote from a Sister Alicia Torres here. That says, um, I believe we are all made for heaven, but we must do something beautiful for Jesus before we get there. And as I, as I read that, I'm, I'm, as we're talking here, and it's because Jesus has done something beautiful for us mm-hmm. first. And, and now we can take that and go out and, and meet those people in charity as you're talking about where they are in love. Absolutely. Right. We want to propose the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of our Eucharistic faith. And people are drawn into God and generally those three different ways, either through the way of truth, the way of beauty, or the way of goodness. You know, so we have this truth. The Eucharist is our Lord, and we have many ways to explain that doctrine, right? We have the beauty of our liturgies, the beauty of Eucharistic devotion, and then we have the goodness of living a Eucharistic life. I was so um, inspired by the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. They hosted a tremendously large Eucharistic procession this Sunday, I believe there were 5,000 participants, but then they also had an opportunity for those who came to um, prepare bags of food for those who are hungry. So they made a very clear connection between Eucharistic faith and devotion coming from the Mass, doing this public procession, and then caring for those in need. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah, no, it's a, you, you remind me of uh, our conversation here and some of it. Tom and I are both in diaconate training for the Diocese of Fargo and our, one of our of the leaders talked about the, the transcendentals, the, the, the true, the good, the beautiful, and, and the, the unity that, that they have. There's a oneness of these, these transcendentals that, and, and I think it goes back to something you mentioned, Sister, that we have to recognize that the Lord draws others and as you mentioned, he may not he may not draw others to himself the same way he draws us. Well, I can guarantee you that there are people who are drawn to him in completely different ways than we are because of how many different type of personalities are there in the world. The Lord works with that grace built upon nature. He he works with the personality of the person to draw them to himself. And so we have to be aware of that. However, there will be a commonality. That when we talk, and this is probably the, the joy that I've experienced working in Catholic radio, is that when you, you hear a thousand stories, the story is different, but there is a similarity in how the, you know, in that the Lord is always mm-hmm. calling, that he is kind of that hound mm-hmm. of heaven. He's going after us. He's never allowing us to run away. And so mm-hmm. he, every person is being drawn to the Lord at every moment. There's an opportunity mm-hmm. for encounter at every moment of the day. Would you agree? Absolutely. The Lord is always present to us. You know, it's uh, one of the things that we, we often uh, hear about um, is just kind of accepting um, prayer, uh, silence as prayer, and taking uh, just some time 
of silence. Of course, talking on the radio, that might sound like we're a self-defeating thing, but I have, you know, sometimes we just need to sit in silence, in the silence of the Lord, um, and recognize that his presence is there. And so uh, for our listeners today, you know, take, take a few minutes today. Maybe, maybe a challenge is, can you, be, can you sit in the silence for five minutes? Can you shut everything off? And even try this. Can you shut, can you shut your thoughts off? Can you, you know, focus and say, well, I, I got to get this done today. Okay, set that aside. For five minutes, set a timer and see if you can just encounter the Lord for five minutes today. Uh, if, you, if, if you have to do it while you're driving in your car or, or if you're waiting in the dentist's office or if you can stop over at the Adoration Chapel or in a church where Jesus is present in the Eucharist, five minutes. Uh, see what the Lord has to say to you in those five minutes of silence because he, is, he wants to be with us. He wants to be a part of every decision we make. Um, there isn't a decision in our lives that the Lord doesn't have an opinion about. I can guarantee you he has something to give us in every, every, every human situation. So we've got just uh, about two minutes left to the top of the hour, sister. Anything you'd like our listeners to hear uh, about the Eucharistic Revival, about, about uh, works of charity? What would you like to share with our listeners? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. It's really a privilege to represent the Eucharistic Revival um, and I want to encourage everyone to visit our website, EucharisticRevival.org. That's EucharisticRevival.org. We're going to have a beautiful website, which will be um, updated throughout these three years of the revival. So it started this Corpus Christi, and it will, in a sense, crescendo at the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis in 2024. There will be special events in your diocese and coming into your parishes next year. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter. It'll have content every week to keep you updated on what's going on, as well as help you in your own formation and growth and intimacy with Jesus in the Eucharist. And also, we're in great need of prayer warriors, so you can also sign up to be an intercessor at that website. So please visit www.eucharisticrevival.org, and you'll find out so many wonderful things about this wonderful initiative of our bishop. Wonderful. Thank you, Sister Alicia Therese, for being on with us and know of our prayers and keep us in your prayers as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Sister. All right, this is Real Presence Live. We're going to step away for a legal idea at the top of the hour, but uh, don't go anywhere. On the other side of the hour, Bishop John Fold of the Diocese of Fargo is going to join us and talk about all important things. You don't want to miss the conversation. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be right back.